When I first heard about the baby, I was angry. Angry at Mary for getting herself pregnant. Angry at God for allowing it to happen. And angry at myself for being caught up in a pregnancy scandal. I couldn't give Mary away. It would be the end of her reputation and maybe even her life. But choosing silence implicated me in her pregnancy and the disgrace I bring in my own good name was more than I could bear. I made up my mind to quietly divorce her. It was the only scenario that would bring any hope for a future for us. But I could not claim her child as mine. Then one night, an angel appeared to me in a dream. He told me not to be afraid to marry her. That Mary was in fact telling the truth and that she was carrying God's child. Everything changed. I understood that God had chosen my fiance to carry the promised Messiah, that he had chosen me to be his earthly father. As we neared Mary's delivery, we were alone in a new city with no place to stay. I tried to be brave for Mary's sake, but I was lost in my own fear. I never delivered a baby before. I desperately wanted everything to be right. And then Jesus came into the world, perfect and beautiful, and screaming to the top of his lungs. It was possibly the greatest moment of my life, possibly the greatest moment of all time, and the world became right. Not mine, not of my flesh, not of my bones. Still, Father, let this baby be the son of my love. Father, show me. Where I fit into this plan of yours How can a man be father to the Son of God? Lord, for all my life I've been a simple carpenter How can I raise a king? How can I raise a king? Looks so small, his face and hands so fair. And when he cries, the sun just seems to disappear. But when he laughs, it shines again. How could it be? Father, show me where I fit 
into this plan of yours how can a man be father to the son of god and lord for all my life i've been a simple carpenter how can i raise a king how can i raise could it be this baby in my arms sleeping now so peacefully the son of God the angels sing how could it be How could it be? I first met God's son as a tiny helpless baby in the arms of my young wife. Needing all the care and attention this finite and incapable dad could give him. Yet he is my savior. It is one of the many complexities I am sure to encounter over the course of my changed life. I know I'll never compare it to his father God, but I'm gonna do my best to be the father he needs here on earth. This morning we are going to look at Christmas through the eyes of Joseph, which is recorded in Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25. So if you have your Bibles, if you'd like to turn to Matthew 1, uh, we also have study guides inside your bulletin that has the, uh, the passage listed on that. So if you'd like to get your study guide, that might help you to kind of follow along this morning. Before we read this passage and discuss Matthew chapter 1, I want to ask a question to everybody. I want, I want our children to think about this question. I want our teenagers to think about this question. I want our adults to think about this question. What's the best Christmas gift that you've ever received? What's the best Christmas gift that you've ever received? Now, it could have been something that you got last year, kids. Maybe there was something you were dying to get last year and you got it, and that's the best Christmas gift you ever received. Maybe adults, you have to think way back to many years ago to think of a Christmas gift that you got. Or maybe, maybe that's just too hard of a question because you've received so many things, you really can't really determine one thing as the best Christmas gift you ever received. I was kind of thinking about that about myself. And for some reason, I always think of this one gift that I received when I was a kid. Uh, I mean, I don't know why I, I think about it. Maybe it's because I remember seeing some pictures of me playing with this gift, but it was something I had to have. And I remember commercials that they played about this gift. Maybe, maybe it's the commercials that made me want to see, want to have this gift. I think we actually have a commercial about this gift. I 
can be any kid on the block. Oh, yeah? Yeah! They're slugging it out. A left to the jaw, and... Oh, my block is knocked off. But you can press it right back on. It's Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Press this lever. He throws a right. The other a left. Knock his block off. You're the winner. Well, next time. You can Rock'em Sock'em with the Rock'em Sock'em Robots by Marks. All right, anybody else have a rock'em sock'em robot? Okay, I see some hands, good, all right? You're, uh, you're kind of dating yourself uh, a little older. That was a real popular gift in the 70s. Actually, it made a comeback in the 90s, so it must have been a pretty cool thing. Wasn't really much to it, just a red robot and a blue robot, and they had box, and what would happen after a while, typically, is one of the heads would kind of pop up easier, and so you never want to be that guy. You want to be the other guy to fight, but... But I can just remember how excited I was to get that, at least for a little while. You know, we may not be able to come up with our favorite Christmas gift we've ever received. But I was thinking about the fact there's one Christmas gift that we all need this Christmas. And really, without this gift, no other gift really matters. You might say, well, what is this gift? It's the gift of forgiveness. The gift of forgiveness. Without the gift of forgiveness from God, no other gift really matters eternally. Forgiveness, we know, is very important in human relationships. We do something, upset somebody, maybe a misunderstanding, we ask to be forgiven. And it's very important in human relationships. But listen, it's essential in our relationship with God. It's essential. Because we're sinners, and He is a holy God. And we have to be forgiven. So this morning, we spotlight Joseph and we look at his perspective. But really, the spotlight is always on Jesus. Because he and he alone can provide the forgiveness that we all need this Christmas. So let's look at this passage, a passage that we all know very well, the Christmas story. It says in Matthew 1, starting in verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Let's pray together. God, today as we look at this passage, Lord, it's a passage that we probably have read many, many times. We pray that your spirit would come and help us to understand your word today. Maybe understand it in a fresh way. Maybe we'd understand something that we never really understood before. But Lord, I just pray that your spirit would teach us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What we're going to do is just basically go verse by verse through this passage and just see 
what, we, what God can show us today through his word. The scripture again in verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Pastor Tom last week talked about perspective from Mary. And Mary, of course, was a virgin. We know that the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and told her that she would be with child, not because of a human father, but because of the work of the Holy Spirit. We are also told in this verse, verse 18, that she was betrothed to Joseph. Some people basically think that betrothed is the same thing as our engagement today, today but it is really far more legal than our engagement process today. To be betrothed in this culture was more permanent, it was more final, more significant than our engagement today. To say that Mary and Joseph were betrothed was basically, it meant that they were legally man and wife. Uh, they were not yet living, of course, under the same roof, and they were not enjoying the privileges of being married, but they were legally together. So to be separated, it took a legal divorce. Typically, what would happen during this betrothal period, the husband would prepare to take his wife into his home. So Joseph, being a carpenter by trade, is probably preparing for Mary to come and be part of his family in his new home. Now we know that Joseph is probably a very young man. We don't know exactly what age. Uh, last week, Pastor Tom talked about Mary. He said Mary is probably somewhere 15, 16. We don't know that for sure. She could have been as young as 13. We don't really know. We don't know how old Joseph was, but more than likely, both of them, very young teenage parents. They're looking forward to their wedding day, as any young people would. Everybody in the little town of Nazareth knows they're getting ready to get married. I mean, it's a big deal. Mary and Joseph are excited. Joseph loves Mary, but sometimes our plans change quickly. We see in verse 19, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, Joseph is told that Mary is expecting a baby. This is probably around the fourth month of Mary's pregnancy because Mary, when uh, she went to be with Elizabeth for three months, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, for three months, and this is, comes right after that, so probably about the fourth month of her pregnancy. We don't know that for certain, but more than likely somewhere around that time frame. We're not told who informed Joseph that Mary was expecting. More than likely, it was probably Mary, that Mary came to Joseph and said, Joseph, I don't know how to explain this to you, but an angel appeared to me. His name was Gabriel, and he said that I'm going to have a baby. And this is not just any baby. This is the baby the Holy Spirit has put there. This is the Messiah that's coming. Uh, I don't know what Joseph could have possibly have thought when he heard those words. Outside of Mary is pregnant. Uh, I mean, how could he believe her story? How could he believe her story? Verse 19, though, tells us a lot about this man, Joseph. It says that Joseph, it tells us a lot about his character, that he was a just man and unwilling to put her to shame. So we know this, that Joseph was a just and he was also a kind man. 
He was a just and a kind. He was the type of man that fathers, we want our sons to grow up to be like. He was the type of man that if you have daughters, you want your daughters to one day marry a man like this. He was just. And what that means is he was a righteous man. Joseph knew that he had no physical relations with Mary. So another man had to have physical relations to Mary in his mind. And he loves Mary, but he also loves the law of God. And he understood and he believed that the marriage bed was to be kept undefiled. So he determines the only just thing to do is to divorce her. But he is also a kind man. He knew that a woman found in adultery in his culture could possibly even face stoning to death. But at the least would be exiled from the community and even exiled from their family. But Joseph determined in his heart not to hurt Mary, not to do this to Mary. This was a man that walked close to God. Because see, our natural response is not to do that. Our natural response is not to think of the person that we believe has just hurt us. But instead, our natural response is to want revenge. We want revenge when somebody hurts us. Most people want to respond like Jennifer from North Carolina responded when she found out her husband was cheating on her. She bought a billboard. This is what the billboard said. GPS tracker, $250. Nikon camera with zoom lens, $1,600. Catching my lying husband and buying this billboard with our investment account, priceless. That's, that's the natural way. Now, probably most people don't actually do that. Jennifer did. But that's the way people want to respond. They want revenge when somebody's hurt them, especially like this. But that was the opposite of the way that Joseph responded. He thought about Mary, and he thought about how can I protect her during this time. He was just, and he was kind. And the scripture says that he had no desire to publicly shame her. J.C. Ryle stated this, Joseph is a beautiful example of godly wisdom and tender consideration for others. It appeared that Mary had acted evilly, but Joseph did not respond rashly. He waited patiently and wanted to divorce from Mary in as gracious way as possible. In as gracious way as possible. Verse 20, it said, but as... He considered these things. Let me stop right there. As he thought, as he meditated, as he prayed to God for wisdom about these things. He sought God in his great time of trouble. He was heartbroken, but he did not just fly off the handle. No, instead he gave his emotions to God and said, God, help me. I don't know what to do. Help me. And you know what? When we respond that way in times of trouble, we often see God work in miraculous ways, in ways that we can never predict. We see that the angel said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
the angel explained that Mary's story was true. And not to be afraid to take her as his wife. Verse 21, she'll bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. Joseph, Mary is carrying the long-awaited Messiah. Israel had been waiting centuries for this day. The one that would come and take away the sin of the people to bring true forgiveness. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This was fulfilling Isaiah 7, 14. Something that was spoken over 700 years before this day. This was being fulfilled in the virgin having the baby. That this was God's plan from the beginning. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. The scripture says when he woke up, that he did exactly what the angel had told him to do. And he obeyed. He didn't totally probably understand, but he obeyed. He trusted God even when things did not make sense. He trusted him. God told him to do, a, uh, the angel told him to do a certain thing, and that's exactly what he did. And you know, I was thinking about this for a second. I mean, what a great lesson this is for all the men in this room. Men, will you love the family that God has given you? You know what? It may not be the family that you envisioned. I can promise it wasn't the case for Joseph. It may not be the family that you envisioned. You may be like, well, you know, if I'd have known my wife was going to be like this, or, or, you know, my kids, if I'd have known how difficult they were going to be, then, then I might not have signed up for this. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Joseph responded, well, I know it's not going to be easy. Matter of fact, I know this is going to be very, very difficult. This is going to be very hard. But I'm going to trust God. Because this is his plan. And I'm going to trust him. So me and I would say that to us. God's given you a family to take care of. And it may not be perfectly like you hoped it would be. But it's a family that you have. And God's called you to care for them. Now, I want to point out a few truths from this passage. First truth is God's plan is often different from the plan we desire. It's often different from the plan we desire. I can promise you this was not the plan that Mary and Joseph had for their lives. They were planning to get married, but this was not the way they wanted to get started to have a baby, especially in that culture. That would have been an incredible taboo to have a baby before they're married. That is not what they wanted. Can you imagine the fear, the uncertainty that this baby had brought into their relationship that they were not expecting? But you know what? God's plan's often different from what we desire. But it's always for our best. 
Always for our best. The second thing, and Pastor Tom's been talking about this, but true obedience often involves sacrifice. If we truly want to follow God, it often involves sacrifice. And I can promise you, for Joseph, it involved a lot of sacrifice. You know, I was thinking about this. Isn't it interesting that the great honor of being the parents of Jesus also brought the reality of humiliation, danger, and shame for them first. I mean, think about this. I mean, they had to face all those things to be the parents of Jesus. And I believe still today, when God is preparing us to do a great work, to do a great privilege to serve him, most often, first of all, he brings some great obstacles our way. Most often, there's some stumbling blocks that come our way. There's some things that we didn't see coming. There's some limitations to our lives. If you'll go back and look at some of the great men of God in the past, even in the last two or three hundred years, some great pastors, a lot of them dealt with, dealt with great health issues, limitations, a lot of things. Then you might say, why is that? I can't tell you totally why, but one of the things I believe is God uses those kind of things to mold his servants, to get them exactly like he wants them to be, to be humble, teachable, so that he can use them. And I tell you what, that's exactly what he did here with Mary and Joseph. I mean, they were humble. They were, they were just young, uneducated people, but God was going to use them in a miraculous way, and he did. So the truth is that true obedience often involves sacrifice. The last thing, and I mentioned it at the first, but our greatest gift we need this Christmas is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. See, sin has separated us from God. In Christ, that's the focus of this passage. Christ came into this world to pay the price for sin. A price that you could not pay. You could not pay on your own. No matter how many good deeds you did, you could never pay the price for your sin. But Christ came, and by his death, the penalty for our sin can be forgiven. It can be, if we receive him. The scripture says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now you might say, well, well Mickey, you don't know me. And, and to be honest, there's, I know a lot of people and there's a lot of people I don't know. But even if I do know you, I don't know everything in your life. But you might be saying, you know, you don't know the kind of things I've done in my life. I'm gonna tell you what, it don't matter what you've done. Jesus is greater than anything that you've done. Your sin can be washed as white as snow through the blood of Christ. That is why we have the Christmas story. It's not about a baby in a manger. It's about a Messiah that grew up and died and sacrificed his life for you and me. And do you know that sacrifice? But if you know that sacrifice, if you don't know that sacrifice, you can trust him today and be forgiven today. Now, in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. 
And uh, during that time of invitation, I think Jason and, and the worship team's gonna come on the stage and, and lead a song. And if you're interested in knowing more about following Jesus, we would love to talk to you about following Jesus. We would love to talk to you about what it means to trust Christ, to, to take him as your personal savior and to know true forgiveness. You may be here today and to be honest, sin is so heavy on your back. You, you're living with guilt. You're living with shame. Listen, Christ can take that guilt. He can take that shame away. He can. He's offering forgiveness. The greatest thing that we all need this Christmas is that forgiveness. And do you know that forgiveness? Forgiveness.